Sedano and LZ with you here. Scotty Caps hanging out with us today. Hope you voted today on election day. Hope you're enjoying a sandwich on National Sandwich Day. Uh, we've got some news. We were just talking about Kobe's debut. It was 24 years ago. Uh, but we've got some NBA news. So Sham Sharania of The Athletic, who is one of the premier uh, reporters covering the NBA, has reported today, Scott, that one of the Lakers' rivals, the Houston Rockets, um, could look differently. Basically, what he's saying is that Philadelphia, who is now being captained by Daryl Morey, the former president of basketball operations for the Houston Rockets, now the current president of basketball operations for the Philadelphia 76ers, is expected to pursue James Harden. So for that to be the case, that means that Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, first of all, Houston would have to agree to that, but if Harden wants to leave... And this is the one thing about the NBA we've seen. If a player wants to go somewhere, chances are he's going to go somewhere, right? Like, that that's just kind of how this thing j tends to work. It is a player's league in that sense. And if Harden's like, yeah, I want to go play for Daryl again and play for Doc because you hired a rookie coach here in Steven Silas. And, you know, I love Russ, but Russ is getting old. And I'll go over there and play with either Ben or Joel. Then – you know, he probably feels that's a better solution for him. Like, I can see all that manifesting itself. But if I'm the Rockets, like, who would you rather have? Would you want Ben Simmons, who is one of the best defensive perimeter players? He's an amazing passer. He's basically ma the modern-day Magic Johnson. Um, Magic wasn't a good shooter. Ben is not a good shooter. Uh, but Ben is an amazing passer, amazing defender, good rebounder, can get to the basket like nothing else. Um, or do you want... The old, the big man who can spread the floor a little bit, but he's all he's had some issues in regards to let's say how serious he takes the game. Right? No one has ever said that about Ben Simmons, but you have so both of these guys are stars, young stars, but both of them have uh, you know some some challenges that you'd have to deal with. So if if you're the Rockets. Wouldn't you want Embiid because you need a big man to try to compete with Anthony Davis? Like, to me, I'd rather take my chances. If I have to trade Harden for one of them, I'd rather have Embiid back because at least I have someone, in theory, who can try to combat uh, Anthony Davis in, 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 a, in a playoff series because we saw the Rockets had no chance of guarding him. Okay, George, you just put a lot on my plate there, okay? Let, let me say this. I feel like I was looking at this from the Philadelphia perspective rather than the Houston perspective. If okay. I'm Philly, I want Harden, obviously. But if I'm Philly, who would I rather pair Harden with? Would you rather keep Ben Simmons or okay. would you rather keep Joel Embiid if you're Philly? Because if, if you're going to get a great shooter, if you're going to get a guy who's going to average 35 points a game or has, if you're going to get that kind of player, who do you want to pair him with? If I, now, this is going to sound crazy, but I'd rather have Ben Simmons with James Harden. And, the re, and people are going to say, what are you talking about? They want to shoot a bunch of threes. Well, here's the thing. Um, I can tell you on pretty good authority that Ben Simmons has been working a lot on his three. I'm not saying that he's going to hit them at 38% or 37%. I'm saying he's probably more willing to take them. And I would say that... <sighs> Joel Embiid probably clogs the lane for James Harden in Philadelphia. And James Harden wants to get to the basket and shoot threes. And 
Ben Simmons doesn't do that for him. Ben Simmons can play the dunker spot. He can kind of move around the floor easier. Joel, you're either going to have him down low, which clogs the lane, or you're going to have him shooting threes, which he doesn't necessarily he, – he likes taking some threes, but then he gets criticized for not being in the traditional big man role. So that stuff bothers him. So I just think from a – just from a, a schematics standpoint, I would rather have Harden with Simmons because I know that that team, if they want to, can run up and down the floor. Um, and Ben Simmons, Scott, was the best assist guy in the league this year at finding open three-point shooters. And if you're James Harden, you've never had someone like that to get you those open looks. If I'm Philadelphia... Maybe Chris Paul, I guess, but but Ben is even more is even different than, than Chris in regards to the way he plays. If I were Philly, George, I'd be doing anything I could to get my hands on Harden. You think about Miami and the run they made in the finals. You think about what Brooklyn is supposed to look like next season. If I'm Philadelphia, Harden is the kind of player that I want to have on my team. The question I'm going to have is, which of these two guys is, is the one that I want to pair him with? And one of them's got to go. Which one do I think I want to have more? And th- and I would think that's going to determine whether or not they wind up ultimately getting him. To your point about if a player wants to be somewhere, he can essentially in today's NBA force his way there. If Harden wants to go to Philly, he'll find his way there. The question I think I have is who's the better matchup? You've obviously already told me what you think. Yeah, yeah. And I think for the Rockets, I think you have to try to get Embiid out of this equation. Greg, Embiid, yes, if you're the Rockets, you try to compete against AD? Yeah, no, I think you stick with Embiid, too. And he also, he shoots threes, too. And he's pitting him at a much better clip than he had been. So I, I like him better with Embiid. Yeah, I, I just, if the if Embiid goes to the Rockets, I think that the Rockets, as crazy as this sounds, um, depending on who else is around him and Russ, could be a bigger threat in a, in a playoff series than they were last year. Because I, I just, look, they had P.J. Tucker trying to guard uh, A.D. Like, that wasn't going to happen. You have a better shot of P.J. Tucker and Robert Covington at least trying to make it tougher on LeBron because they're closer in height. But A.D. was towering over all those guys. Like, I... I just don't think that 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 I think that formula actually could be better for them, uh, but let me and, ask and you I think this. tougher for the Lakers. But but let me ask you this though, George. But but go on the Eastern side. What if Embiid stays with Philly, and Simmons goes to Houston, mm. and then what is what does that mean then in the Eastern Conference if it becomes Embiid? What do you think if Embiid stays I, I, in Philadelphia? I think that the Sixers are a legit championship contender. Uh, I mean, I think the Sixers are a legit championship contender with either guy and Harden. You know, I think that they could fulfill kind of that promise that they've had potentially for the last couple of years. So I'll tell you, George, you go to a lot of NBA games, you cover it, you're on the sideline, you're in the middle of the action. For me, I do the exact same job, it's just with, with the NFL. So I get to see it up close and personal. I went to an NBA game earlier this year. This is like way earlier. This is before the pause. And I saw Sacramento host Houston. And I sat right on the floor, right next to Harden, um, every time he came off the bench. I was blown away by the guy. I mean, he's huge. He, he, he's, he's big and built. But he's yeah. not that tall, you know? No, but he's the, stocky as hell. Yes, and he, man, what an athlete. And to watch him play in person up close like that, incredible. Yeah, it is incredible stuff. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy, get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. 
With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Sedato and LZ. Scotty Caps in for LZ today on election night. Mina Kimes is going to join us in nine minutes. We have a short segment here, Scotty Caps. We talk a lot of football with Mina Kimes. You can check her out on NFL Live and, of course, her football podcast, The Mina Kimes Show with Lenny. Lenny is her dog. Uh, He is the star of the podcast. Uh, Mm -hmm. Everyone who follows her on social media knows that. Uh, Nonetheless, uh, you and I have talked about Jared Goff here, okay, over the last day or so, and just the, the worry, I think, that people have about his ceiling and has he hit that ceiling. And then you look across town and, you know, you got this shiny new guy over there, right? You know, this, this, the, the new hunk at the school, right? Just the, the kid who transferred right to a new school. And all of a sudden, there's some threatening, there's a threatening feeling, right? That Justin Herbert is now the new big man on campus, the BMOC, right? And now he doesn't play. Uh, he's on the JV, but people think, ooh, wait a second, he can, he may be able to be the man on the varsity here pretty soon. Um, and the, it feels like that for the Chargers, that they have this opportunity, okay? And Dylan Hernandez wrote this in the LA Times today, which was, the Chargers have the better quarterback, they have, he wrote the better uniforms, which I think they do. Um, they've had better uniforms for a long time. They've had some of the best uniforms, period, for a long time. And they've got cheaper prices in the same stadium. Now, they don't have anywhere near the fan base that the Rams have. It's not even close. I don't even think it's in the same stratosphere at the moment. But it, it is their chance. And he was basically focusing on the coaching aspect of this. Um, but, man, a good a quarterback can make a coach. And, and, and I think when you look at the Rams situation – it feels like the opposite, right? That McVay, that golf is a product of McVay. Is that fair to say? I think you're exactly right. Just by the way, as you're describing this, it does feel like the opposite. The Chargers and Justin Herbert feel like they're at the beginning. And in some ways, the Rams with Jared Goff feel like they could be headed towards the end. Maybe we've already seen the best out of Goff, but wait a second. Maybe we've also already seen the best out of McVay. You know, when when McVay was hired, it was fashionable. It was hot. He was young. He was cool. The Rams were moving to town. Uh, it was all fresh and new. And, um, and he had a great first couple of years, and people were fascinated by him. He's the new John Gruden. He's the new young guy. He's on reality TV shows. His girlfriend is an Instagram influencer. I mean, he plays the role, and he got the team to the Super Bowl. That was two years ago, George, and they've been getting seemingly. I don't want, listen, I don't want to beat up on, on the Rams right now because when I look around the rest of the NFC, I don't see a lot. No, they're, they're in the mix. There's no question. They'd be the seventh seed right now, which means they'd be in the playoffs. But, but the, the question really comes down to, 
is this the Chargers time or not? George, let me tell you a very quick story because as you were earlier telling the story about A-Rod and dinner and how you don't like to brag about some of these you know, great opportunities you get being in the business you're in, I'll give you a very quick story. I usually go and do the Dallas Cowboys Thanksgiving game uh, broadcast on Westwood One Radio. And every year, George, I promise you, and it's hard to believe, I always make sure I take a picture because when I tell people this, they're like, you're full of crap. True story. I find Jerry Jones on the field before the game, and he's one of these guys that will peel off with you, give you three, four minutes, look you directly in the eye, and be completely focused in on the conversation. I said to Jerry, Jerry, you know the Chargers are not going to work in L.A. And he said to me, Scott, all these little babies that are being born in L.A., do you know how many people there are in L.A.? Do you know all these little babies in 20 years and in 25 years, they're all going to be Charger fans, trust me. And I'm like, no, Jerry, I don't think so at all. Now, maybe he's right. Maybe 25 years from now they will be. But Dylan Hernandez's piece today intimates like they're ready to take over tomorrow. I strongly disagree. Uh, yeah, I don't buy that either. Like, I, I don't even know any Charger fans. Like, other than Karen Kay, who's going to do our traffic here in a second. But she's from San Diego. You know what I'm saying? Like, Which is why she should not be a Charger fan. You, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen. There's a guy on Twitter, and I, somebody sent me the, the video. This guy takes all of his Charger jerseys, um, hats, T-shirts, jerseys, jackets. He puts them on his barbecue. He puts um, lighter fluid over, and he starts sparking them up, and he's screaming, I'm done. You're dead to me. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a second. It took them to blow four leads with 17-plus point advantages for you to finally give up on them? Leaving your town wasn't enough? I don't know why Karen Kay's still a fan. <laughs> we'll ask her here in a second, but... Um, like, Greg, I'm going to ask you. You're a Raider fan, so you're you're neutral between yeah. the two LA quarterbacks. No dog. I mean, I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, you don't like the Chargers. I get that, but you you are a neutral observer of their quarterbacks, is what I'm yes. saying. Yes, yes, fair. Um, like, which one would you rather have right now? Like, if you forget about the money, if I just told you, just if based on performance, right? Like, which one would you rather have? Look, one guy throws touchdown passes. One guy has small hands and drops. Anytime uh, drops the ball every time he's touched. Justin Herbert is the better quarterback between the two right now. I don't. I really don't even think it's all that close. Yeah, it, it does feel that way, right? In a very, very quickly. Now, Scott, do you, before we break here real quick, and we ask Karen why she's still a Charger fan, um, and we talk to Mina about all this stuff. Like, what do you think as far as like if like the Rams had a do-over? Do you think they would give Golf that five-year deal? Absolutely not. No way. If, if, if the Rams could have looked into the crystal ball and said five years out, here's what he's going to be, they would never have given him this deal. But the thing was, when you look at Seattle as an example, and you have Russell Wilson playing on his rookie deal, and he's already been to the Super Bowl twice, and it's going to change the dynamics of the offense versus the defense and where money's being spent. If you were the Rams, you were thinking, we've got a young star quarterback, let's lock him up now. The problem was, at the time, is that the quarterback position hadn't evolved into what it is today. Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, they're changing the game. But wait a second, it's not just those guys. It's the kid that's up in Buffalo right now that played at Wyoming that you never heard of in college, and that guy can run all over the place, and it's Justin Herbert. And by the way, it's Joey Burrow too. Th these guys who are what, what are physically, formerly drop-back quarterbacks and pocket passers, they're now athlete quarterbacks too. And Jared Goff is not quite that guy. 
Yeah, I agree, man. It's kind of wild. I, I know people don't want to hear that, but it just feels like he's hit close to his ceiling, whereas the other guys we're talking about have not. I well, ask me to Kimes. George, I just got to say one thing, though. In, in, in Goff's one defense, you know, McVay may have hit his ceiling, too, for all I know. Maybe, maybe. But his ceiling we've seen is pretty damn high. Um, and I, I don't know. I think Jared's is above a game manager is basically the way I would describe it. Um, we're going to talk to Mina Kimes in two minutes. But first, El Trafico with Kerry K. Are you still a Chargers fan, Kerry K? Yes, I am. Terrible. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg. And ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. So you heard there, Morales tell you that we are giving away a car, and it begins Thursday. We're qualifying people beginning on Thursday. you got to listen to Mason in Ireland in the 3 o'clock hour for the phrase that pays, basically. Uh, and then in the 5 o'clock hour, LZ and I, each and every day, basically up till Thanksgiving, we'll be uh, qualifying people, um, and you'll have to know that particular phrase and then call us and be caller seven when you hear the cue to call. That starts Thursday. Thursday, we're starting all the stuff. When you have the road trip destination that Mason and Ireland give you at three, you uh, make sure you're listening at five for the cue to call. You call us as caller seven with the correct road trip destination that qualifies you for a virtual key um, that will start that Mazda CX-5 Sport from Culver City Mazda, including $1,000 in the glove box, and we'll give that away right before Thanksgiving. So we're going to be qualifying people for a couple of weeks. Um, all right, let's switch gears, talk some football. Mina Kimes, uh, we're delivering cars. She delivers football uh, opinions and information, and we love her for it. You can check her out on NFL Live uh, weekday afternoons at 1 o'clock here on ESPN Television. And, of course, her podcast, the uh, Mina Kimes Show with Lenny. It is a great football podcast, and you should listen to it as well. So, Mina, I'm going to give you a hot take about Jared Goff, and, and you need to tell me I'm either right on the money or I need to cool down here a little bit. You ready? Okay. Jared Goff. I'm ready. Jared Goff is kind of like Kirk Cousins to me right now. I don't think that's that hot. I mean, I, I think um, there there's a, a a tier of quarterbacks in the NFL um, who can play at a high level, who have good arms, um, but who have not shown a continued ability to elevate the team around them, the weapons around them, especially in situations where they're forced to be drop back passer. And I think. Cousins and Goff probably do fall into both those categories. I think the other part about it, George, Amina, is that when you – this is what I've been trying to say is that as much as Goff has taken the beat down this week – I really look at McVay, and I know that he comes from the Gruden school, and Gruden is a Super Bowl champion um, with the likes of a quarterback like Rich Gannon, who you know was not a star, or even you know you look at a guy like uh, a Brad Johnson. I mean, he, these were kinds of game managers. So I'm not so sure what we should expect. This is the coach, and this is the kind of quarterback he wants to have. What do you guys say? Well, I I think um, I don't think. It would be McVeigh's choice to have a quarterback who isn't able, you know, is sort of more play action dependent necessarily, and um, 
you know, kind of struggles uh, in the face of pressure. Um, and that was certainly the case versus Miami. And I think why Goff has been criticized so much, sort of um, the inability to deal with some of their blitz packages. But it's an interesting trend. You do notice when you look around the league, a lot of the coaches from that school, that sort of Shanahan, Mike Shanahan, Gruden line, um, have systems that make life easier for quarterbacks. I don't, and so I'd say I don't think they prefer quarterbacks who are reliant on it, but they do, I wouldn't say not create, but they help quarterbacks more than other offenses do in ways that can perhaps make quarterbacks seem better than they are. And then when you take that away, when a quarterback like Goff or Cousins or a Jimmy Garoppolo is forced to, you know, improvise more, perhaps deal with unexpected pressure, pass without play action, you do see surprisingly negative results as occasionally. You know who I've, uh, you know, who everyone here's got their eye on all of a sudden, you know, because Jared Goff, as you mentioned, right, like he's got limitations. I think he's basically closer to his ceiling than maybe some would like to admit. Um, but, you know, then there's that sexy Herbert over there. Oh, 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 he is sexy, Mina. He can throw the football a mile. He throws it hard. He can run. And he can move. Yeah. Oh, boy, he is sexy. Talk to me about sexy Herbert. What do you see in him? <laughs> I don't know if I can match that level of enthusiasm, but I do like him a great deal. And, and I'll say this, he is much better than I thought he would be coming out of college, um, which I think now, in, in retrospect, has a lot more to do with the Oregon offense than does with Justin Herbert. But he's exceptionally toolsy with his arm and the legs. He's, you know, I think shown a real ability to go through his reads in the face of pressure that I, again, didn't anticipate him showing this early now he hasn't been the most consistent quarterback yet and I think while the highs have been really high like he's kind of a home run hitter he hasn't consistently sort of operated the offense from the pocket hitting those short and intermediate throws in a way that would make me say yes Justin Herbert's definitely going to be in that top tier of quarterbacks but the early returns are certainly attractive one thing that you got to say about Herbert is, you know, he kind of steps right in. He he handles the pressure. He seems to be able to think uh, while things are happening around him, and and you know, take off with the ball, carry it. I mean, a couple times he needed to really get down or get out of bounds before taking a shot. He does have some really good, you know, receivers and a tight end. Uh, has lost his best running back. Offensive line hasn't been all consistent. So to me, when I look at Herbert. I can see that this is a really talented, young, potential star. The only thing is, he's only got one win. He's got a lot of gaudy statistics, but only one win so far. And as you know, Mina, the Chargers have created some real history here already this season with their colossal collapses and choke jobs. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say any of that will reflect on Herbert um, now or even after this season, I think it's more likely to have ramifications for head coach Anthony Lynn, who, who I think is really terrific. But at the end of the day, some of these weird collapses, and weird is really the only adjective you can use because there's just never been anything like it in football, um, they're going to fall at his feet. 
regardless of whether they're his fault, frankly. You yeah. know, some of it's just bad luck, special teams, injuries. Um, but when a head has to roll, I, I think they're going to look, and by they, I mean ownership, they're going to look to the head coach. Um, whereas the, for Herbert, it's really just about showing continued development over the course of the year. Mina Kimes hanging out with us. Check out the podcast, The Mina Kimes Show with Lenny, and, of course, check her out on TV, on NFL Live, Around the Horn, and a bunch of other places. Um, so let me get back to the Rams. They are the seventh seed at the moment. There could be eight teams in the playoffs, uh, you know, according yeah. to Chris Mortensen. Are, are they a playoff team in the NFC? Because it feels like the NFC is weaker than maybe we thought it was going to be. Yeah, it's pretty wide open, I'd say. I mean, I think the division is still really good the NFC West, but with the Niners being as embattled as they are, losing George Kittle for the season, Jimmy Garoppolo for potentially as long, and then all the other injuries they've suffered on both sides of the football, um, you kind of ruled them out of the conversation. So you're looking at three teams in the NFC West between Seattle, the Rams, and the Cardinals, who could all be, I think, probably all have a great likelihood of being playoff teams. Um, now, are they Super Bowl contenders? I would say only Seattle, really, and I understand they lost to Arizona, but I think the only they're the only team right now that truly looks like they can compete with Tampa Bay, uh, who I see as the other really great NFC team. I think you're so right. By the way, when when we we were kind of all beating up on the Rams this week, but it was another cross country trip to Miami. Their head coach had been the defensive coordinator of, of New England when they beat the Rams in the Super Bowl. There's lots of factors. There's the heat factor. Uh, there's getting off to a really bad start and getting your quarterback crushed and having a defense score against you, having them score in the kicking. I mean, everything kind of went wrong, Mina. But yet, when I look at the NFC, I see Tampa Bay. I see Seattle. Green Bay, after last week against Minnesota, I'm not so sure. Nobody from the NFC East. I mean, I could make an argument right now. The Rams, who I'm down on, might be the fourth or fifth best team in the NFC. I think it's fair. I mean, they're certainly better than the NFC East, right? And that they they are the NFC East champions right now. Um, but yeah, there's really, you know, I think the Saints are still in the mix. Um, the Panthers are kind of feisty. And I mentioned the Cardinals, but and Chicago, of course, has that great defense, but. Uh, it really doesn't have an offense that can contend. So, you know, outside of those teams, yeah, I think given the expanded playoffs, um, the Rams really should be able to get in. Uh, Mina, let me ask you this. In, when it comes to the Cardinals in this division, are they for real? Um, I, I, I think it depends how you define for real. I think that... Like, are they, they a playoff? Are they have, playoff good? They're, they're a playoff team right now. Yeah, I think they're a playoff team. I don't think they're a contender. Like I don't, I, I don't have them going deep into the playoffs. I don't think the defense is very complete. I think they really lack a pass rush. There's some holes otherwise. And then on the other side of the ball, Kyler Murray, you know, he's been inconsistent, especially as a passer. He can, I think, they can put up points on any defense in the NFL, but I don't think consistently. Um, they're sort of operating at the, le- the level that offenses like Green Bay and Seattle can hit. Well, I'll just say this. I think that you're right. I, I agree with you. By the way, I pretty much agree with everything you've, ex- you've said so far today. Um, Thank you. Yeah, really good stuff. I enjoy your analysis. Very nice work, Mina. Um, so, listen, for me, again, I look at Tampa Bay now, and 
either I'm just still convinced. Like I, I think when Tiger Woods plays in a, in the Masters, I think Tiger Woods is going to win. I used to think every time Mike Tyson got into a boxing ring, I expected Mike Tyson to win. I was wrong all the time. Uh, I think Tom Brady has the Tampa Bay Buccaneers positioned to be in the Super Bowl in Tampa this year. And maybe I'm just fooling myself. Maybe it's my man crush on Brady, but I think Tampa Bay is the best team in the NFC. I think that the fact that they're getting Chris Godwin back and then we'll be adding Antonio Brown probably makes that correct. Um, without those players, <coughs> pardon me, based on what we saw on Monday Night Football, you, you saw an offense that actually is pretty, at times, stalls out. Um, you know, despite the fact that they still have weapons and still have a pretty good offensive line. But when Brady's pressured, he has struggled. He's not under, under pressure very often. But the floor for the team is so high because they have the best defense in the conference, maybe them and the Bears, that the offense doesn't even have to be great for them to be the best team because they're so balanced. Last one for you, Mina, on the way out. Always got to talk Raiders with you. Um, I have an adjective for them. And you tell me what you think and, and what your adjective to describe them would be. I would call them feisty. What would you call them? Yeah, feisty's good. I, you know, I called the Dolphins feisty on uh, my podcast today. But feisty works for the Raiders, too, because the offense is really fun. Um, you know, like I think Derek Carr is playing some of his best football. He's taking more risks, throwing the ball downfield, also using his feet. Frankly, he has something he hasn't done that much in recent years and I think with Carr it's always been sort of this question of willingness rather than ability and aggression and risk taking and if he's willing to do all those things they have one of the better groups of skill players in the NFL now I don't think the defense is particularly good and that's a defense that I also thought perhaps would look to upgrade at the trade deadline and didn't but because the offense has that high ceiling I think they're definitely feisty there she is, Mina Kimes. Check her out on NFL Live Around the Horn and subscribe to her podcast, The Mina, Mina Kimes Show with Lenny. Mina, you were the best. Thank you for hanging out with us. Bye, guys. See you. Later. There, there she is. Coming up next, we got good news for the Dodgers. We'll tell you what that's about in three minutes. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. What You Need to Know is brought to you by Morongo. Play it safe. Good times. Thanks to Mina Kimes for joining us there. Thanks to Paul Gutierrez who joined us to talk Raiders earlier. If you missed any of them, subscribe to the Sedano and LZ podcast on, e on the ESPN app, Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. So here's what you need to know. Um, we didn't talk Niners with Mina, Scott, and Scotty Caps in for LZ today, and we're thankful that he's here as well, of course. The Niners' injuries have now piled up. Yesterday we touched on it briefly, but now we have specifics. Jimmy Garoppolo out at least six weeks. George Kittle basically done for the year. And you can write off the Niners basically this year. But I do think this, Scott, and I know there's Niner fans here in Southern California, I would move on from Jimmy Garoppolo. Would you? If I could, I would. 
I don't know exactly what his contract situation is. It's 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 pretty good for them. Um, I believe, and I'll check the numbers here. I'll double check for you in a second. But I believe his uh, dead money. Yep, two point eight million. There's not a lot. No, not a lot at all. You know, George, you talk about the injuries to Garoppolo uh, and to Kittle, and you know, earlier in the season it was Nick Bosa, and and so and Bosa had had such a monster year the season prior. So they've lost their superstar players. This is a pack it up and get out of here kind of season for John Lynch, for Kyle Shanahan, for the 49ers. Oh, yeah. I, I, look, I, I think that if you look at this, this is just one of those wacky years for them, right? Like it just strange things happen. Like everybody's hurt for them. Like there's nothing that they can do. It all just kind of piled up, too, and and Garoppolo had been hurt early, and now this is a new injury, and I love Kittle, by the way. I mean, Kittle is really, to me, probably one of the top two to three to four tight ends in the entire league, but he's also a great personality, George. He's the kind of guy that after a game, when you go up to interview him, like, you'll ask him a question, so how about that touchdown catch in the fourth quarter, you know? And he's like, isn't Jimmy Garoppolo hot? Like, he'll say that to you in the middle of the interview, and you're like, yeah, he's hot, I got it, but about that touchdown... I like Kittle very much. Good character. Yeah, I think he's fun. He's grunkish in that way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not as crazy. He's not doing the drizzle like uh, like Grunk, um, <laughs> you know, with the syrup. But uh, but he's grunkish is the way I would describe it. Right. Um, all right, that is what you need to know. Uh, actually, I do have one more. I'm sorry, Lori. Keep the music going. The NFL trade di- deadline came and went. There was one trade. Isaiah Ford, who is a very little-used receiver from the Miami Dolphins to the New England Patriots, the reason I'm saying that is I want to ask you, Scott, why does the NFL trade deadline suck? It's boring. Yeah, because the NFL has yet to embrace it, and they've yet to turn it into a media circus, which at some point they may decide to. I actually thought a guy like Golden Tate from the New York Giants who made a spectacular catch last night that almost brought the Giants back to tie against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, which doesn't exactly help my case for them being the best team in the NFC. But uh, I I really thought Golden Tate was going to be going to Green Bay because they were looking for a veteran wide receiver. Apparently it didn't materialize. The NFL trade deadline is not like the NBA. It's not like Major League Baseball. And here comes the most obvious reasons why, George, because you want stars to move. But stars move in baseball because of salary considerations or who's hot and who's giving up on their season. You can't move a quarterback in the middle of the year. I mean, rarely, rarely can it happen. It happened to Carson Palmer from Cincinnati to the Raiders. But it's so hard to move a guy in the middle of the season and have him learn an entire new language and an entire new team. It's, that's why you don't see much of it. Yeah, for sure. That is what you need to know. Brought to you by Morongo. Play it safe. Good times. Kurt Warner is going to stop by in a little more than 10 minutes, Scott. Uh, Your pal, Kurt Warner, was uh, nice enough to check in with us, and we'll talk some football with him. Of course, Super Bowl champion Kurt Warner, and of course, two-time NFL MVP, right? Do I have that right? I think you do. And a guy, you know, Kurt Warner on the NFL Network is great. He's terrific calling Sunday night or Monday night football on Westwood One, wherever he's assigned to be. But Kurt Warner could have very easily have been part of that ESPN Monday night football booth. I mean, don't get me wrong. Last night, the ratings were great for the game. And Lewis Riddick is a former college teammate of mine. I couldn't be happier for him. And I like Brian Greasy a lot, too. And I love Steve Levy. I think he's great. Um, But, man, Kurt Warner, his name was put in that hat. And, um, man, he would be great at that, too.
Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I think he. I mean, I think he's really good in general. So I'm just really stoked to kind of chat with him here. Have you in ever a few heard? Minutes. Have you ever heard the um, the Kevin Harlan game? The Rams were playing at the 49ers. It was when I believe it was the first game the Rams played when they'd come back to L.A. Mm -hmm. And Harlan's in the booth. Warner's next to him. I'm down on the sideline, and this guy runs onto the field. And Harlan has this famous call. Oh my God! There's a guy on the field. He's at the 30, the 20. Somebody stop that man! And and after the game the three of us get into the car George and Kevin is freaked out like oh my god I think I've just you know I'm gonna lose my job I'm gonna get fired we drop Harlan off at the at the hotel me and Kurt Warner go to an In-N-Out burger uh, up by the San Francisco airport and dude he walks in and you think Michael Jackson walks into this place seriously like he gets surrounded by people who want his autograph and his picture it's amazing people love Kurt Warner that's awesome. That is awesome. I mean, he's very lovable. Is there a movie being made about him or something? That, we should ask him about it. The answer is yes. We should ask him about it and see if the, anybody has been cast yet to play Kurt Warner. Okay, cool. I, I definitely want to talk to him about that and many other things, including uh, these quarterbacks that we've been talking about here uh, all day today. So Kurt Warner going to join us in a second. Um, we do have news, though, on the NBA. You and I talked about this at the beginning of the show today. Uh, Sham Sharania of The Athletic is reporting that there are some scenarios here for the NBA. Now, we knew about the December 22nd scenario, 72 games. regular. Now, we have more details, though. Regular season ends mid-May. Finals finish around July 22nd, and they get the Christmas revenue, okay? Um Jan the next option is January 18th, only 60 games. Regular season ends in June. Finals end around August 21st. Look, I get that it's a quick turnaround for some of these teams, right, and for these players. But, man, uh, I, I just think, and I've told you this before, I think if you cede control of Christmas, the NFL and Roger Goodell will find a way to swoop in and take that from you. And you don't want that if you're the NBA. You don't want that if you're the players. First of all, you're the players, you're the owners, you're the people that work for the league. You don't want to lose games because that means that the overall health of your sport is not going to be great. Um, and you're going to have to find a way to recuperate that revenue. And none of that is a given based on what we're all dealing with in this pandemic world that we're living in. You know, it's so funny you just said that because that's what I was thinking. You know, here I am tonight, George. I know you're probably doing the same thing. Um, as much as we've been talking about, you know, Goff versus Herbert and where are the Rams? And we've been talking about the story right now, the NBA, when will they start, et cetera. And there's been other stories that are sports related that are on our minds. But out of the corner of my eye, I'm watching what's going on with election coverage. Yeah. We don't know what's going to happen. I mean, we're, we're talking about starting the NBA season. And yet every day, all I hear about are the crazy statistical spikes in COVID cases around the country. You know, we're trying to make plans, but we're, we're making these plans, but we don't really know what's going to happen in the future. In certain parts of Europe, the country, countries are being shut down. You know why? Because they say we want to crush in November so we can actually open up in December and we can all celebrate the holidays. So we're, we're trying to prepare for the future, and it just feels to me like there's still a ton of unknowns right now. Yeah, there, uh, there are. And, and I, I feel like, again, we have a deadline on Friday, so we'll, we'll, in theory, we'll know this week. It's been extended four different times. I don't see it being extended one more time because, as Adam Silver said, time is running out. Um, what we and do I, know— I saw, you, I saw you on Around the Horn earlier today, and I thought yeah. you made a really good point about that, that, look, the NBA has this deadline— and they're going to figure it out. Look, the one thing we should be saying about the NBA is they are the leaders in pro sports. They may not be the number one league. We may say that's the NFL around yeah. the country. But 
they are, I would say, the leaders when it comes to what people do. Because when they pushed pause, everybody else pushed pause. When, when they came back, when they bubbled, everybody else said, oh, let's go play. Let's figure it out. I mean, the NBA is the leader in this. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that they're going to get this right. And really, I think, go with option A, which is play right before Christmas. Yeah, I, I do think ultimately that will happen. There'll be a concession probably from the league to the players to make that happen, but I do think that will happen. Um, you mentioned things that we didn't know and so many of the unknowns. One thing that's known now, Greg Bergman uh, has told us this. Greg Bergman, what is the great Dodger news that came out today? Mookie Betts is a Gold Glove Award winner, which he absolutely deserves. Yeah, fifth straight Gold Glove, but you are also upset because you're never truly happy with Major League Baseball. You are upset about one thing in particular when it comes to a Dodger, and what is that? Well, because it's absolutely ridiculous what happened here. Trent Grisham of the San Diego Padres beat out Cody Bellinger for a Gold Glove in center field. I don't care what Trent Grisham did this season. He is not a better defensive outfielder than Cody Bellinger. Cody Bellinger is the best defensive outfielder in the National League. It's not even close. So to think that they even went that way, Trent Grisham, the only thing I remember about Trent Grisham is him getting the, his team knocked out of the playoffs two years in a row for defensive miscues. Those are the playoffs, though. These are regular season awards. Um, you know, but what was their not fielding that great. percentage? Do you I mean, know? No, I don't know the fielding percentage. But I, you, you love the eye test, right, George? This is Cody. Well, Bellinger I mean, I like the, the eye best. test and the numbers. I like everything. Yeah. Well, yeah. Scotty, you look. You're from San Diego. You know the Padres. Trent Grisham is that a center? Is that a Gold Glove center fielder to you? He had a great year, but I gotta say that you know Bellinger to me is he's. He's like the number one guy at that position. So somebody has to have some monster kind of year to overtake him. It's one of the things I actually loved about Bellinger's season is that you're an MVP and the Dodgers go get another MVP from the American League who now is a finalist to be MVP. And I, 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 would, think, I would think that Mookie Betts should win the MVP, certainly over Manny Machado, who people say to me, well, how did Machado become the MVP finalist rather than Tatis? So, if, you, if you watch Tatis, he got cold late, and Machado lifted that team. I mean, he carried them for a long time. So, Greg, now, again, I want to ask you this because I'm curious to see if you think this plays a factor because I think it does. Now, I don't necessarily know if it's fair or not uh, because Cody Bellinger had a better fielding percentage as a center fielder, slightly better than Trent Grisham. But he played 39 games at center field as opposed to – the and, and 19 at first base. Like, how much of that plays a factor? I think that that hurts him in these scenarios. Uh, I, I think it does. I mean, it's a 16-game – a 60-game season. So, That's a good point. yeah, you know, it's a little bit tough to go with that way. But – So, I mean, it's not is, as ridiculous when you think about it that way when he played, you know, more than a third of his games at first base. Well, yeah, that I'm sure is part of it, but you still, this is one of those gold glove goes to the, basically the same guy every year at the same position. Well, it's not I, mean, a, it's it's not a I don't think it should be that way. I think it no, should but, go to the guy. I mean, Trent Grisham played every game in center field. Sure, but it's not a traveling award. It's very, like, Greg Maddox won every, Zach Greinke wins at every single year. From I don't know. I, I just I, I don't I don't think it should be that. I don't buy that. And I do think that that whether you like it or not, that hurt Cody playing him 19 games at first base. I mean, that's probably why it is. It still doesn't. To me, it doesn't matter. You still give it to the best. I don't care field. that he didn't play the position I wanted him to win the no, gold he, glove he, at. He played two thirds of the season there. But, but the other guy played all of it. 
Yeah, but that doesn't matter. Oh no, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it clearly, doesn't matter. It, it does it, not. It, matter. Clearly, it does. He's though. the better. He's the better center. <laughs> you know. You know what it, it is. You know, George. It's like you see the vision of Bellinger going up over the wall to steal a home run yeah. in meaningful games deep into the playoffs, and and yeah, he's a great player. Now again. You know, those who are baseball writers and insiders and people who vote on this kind of stuff, I'll, I'm going to just yield to the fact that they may have watched it a lot closer than I did. But yeah. I think you bring up a great point about number of games played at one position versus another. Yeah, I think that plays a huge role. All right, Karen Kay, con el tráfico, who is a Padres fan, if I recall correctly. Yes, I am. And Greg, just be quiet. Can we just have one award? Just one. <laughs> one little gold glove. Just let us have that. You have your World no. Series. Leave us alone. 